Welcome to Community Decoded, the ultimate podcast series for founders, VCs, and builders who master the art of community building. This podcast is brought to you by Threado, a community management platform that lets you drive more engagement, identify brand champions, and scale a thriving community with automated workflows and personalized messages. We're so proud to say that we serve fast-growing community-led startups like Notion, Mixpanel, Triple Whale, and more. What are you waiting for? Hit threader.com and up your community game. Now, let's talk about this podcast. Join us as we dive deep into the world of community building with some of the biggest names in the industry. Let's decode what it takes to build a thriving community. What's up, what's up, community builders? Thank you again for tuning into the uh, Community Decoded podcast. I'm your host, Sharath. Uh, unlike my usual guests, I have, a, I have a versatile guest today on the show. Uh, usually, like, I talk to like big brands, uh, like, you know, head of communities, director of community, and all, all such sorts of people. But for the first time, I'm bringing uh, a creator founder to the show. So I'm excited. Welcome, Millie. Tomati, Thank you, you so much today? for having me and for the warm welcome. I'm very honored to be the first uh, creator, founder that you speak to. So really excited to be here. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I respect, you know, creators, founders who do solo uh, journey by themselves and build a community and, and make a living out of it because I think that's the toughest, right? That's like the the hard work, the grind work goes, you know, uh, goes right into what you do. But I'm 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 very excited to talk to you about uh, mm-hmm. a lot of things today. But uh, to to the listeners, just a brief intro of Millie. Millie is a creator founder, like I said, and she founded this amazing, amazing community. I always hear about called the Generalist World. Uh, let's talk. Like uh, I'm I'm very excited to like unpack the whole story behind it, the things she did to, you know, uh, to grow that community and whatnot. But yeah, she's, she's, she's a phenomenal creator. Uh, she tweets a lot of things. And one of the things I respect about you is that you build uh, the journalist world mm-hmm. in public. That's something I'm quite fascinated about. Like I see a lot of founders build their products, their startups in public, but there is like this, uh, this new angle that I want to explore with you, how to build a community in public. It's at the end of the day, yeah. it's about people, right? But again, welcome to the show. Uh, right off the bat, I want to ask like, so how did the whole journalist world, you know, came to life? What Talk to him about like what it is, what it, what it is that you do in that community? What is that community about and the origins, the the, yeah, the for sure. Story. Well, I guess by all definitions, I've had a bit of a um, unconventional or non-traditional career. So like right now I'm on this little island in Scotland. Um, I have always had jobs which never quite fit into the box. And in fact, I have um, passionately tried to resist fitting into a box. I feel a bit suffocated by very specific like role titles. And so I've always had this career which has been very fluid where I jump across different domains, across different teams, across different industries. And I've spent the past 11 years um, living abroad. So also across different countries. And I had no like 
word for this. I would just call myself like an all-rounder. My previous role was the director Mm -hmm. of miscellaneous, to give you some context as to that's like... (laughs) What is that? What is that about? (laughs) Well, basically, a a company wanted to hire me. And when they asked me what job, they were like, go away and write your job description. And I came back to them and was like, I don't want a job description. I actually just want to come and solve the problem. Like I'll be in on all the teams, like give me the meaty problems and I will create, I I will solve whatever you need. And so they actually, yeah, they, they presented this contracted title called the director of miscellaneous. Right. (laughs) Right. That's awesome. I, yeah, I, I like that it was very, yeah, it was very forward thinking. <laughs> and to be honest, that was kind of the seed for Generalist World. It was the first time right. that I really had mm. a company see my skill set and say, "Ah, don't change. Like, don't let's not try and make her specialize. Let's right. not try and fit her into a box. She's happiest and she's working at her best mm. when she can do this kind of broad, undefined." thing which especially in startups mm. you know is like life right. that is just it's so important to be able to um have that kind of skill set so the the nugget of all this right. came from looking around me and being like why do i feel like such a weirdo like there must be why don't i know <laughs> any other director of miscellaneouses I'm not sure how you say that, but um, right. I was like, I don't know anyone else like me. And I figured that the world is big right. and there must be more. Uh-huh. <laughs> there must be more people like Absolutely. me, but I couldn't find them. I, I went looking for the space, for the community, for the corner of the internet where people like me existed and gathered right. and helped each other and supported and I could not find it. So I built it. (laughs) Mm. Mm. I love that story. Uh, So what did you do previously? Like, I I, want to like, you know, understand how Mm. you ended up being a journalist. Like uh, I'm sure like a lot of us, we start Mm -hmm. as specialists in a, in a particular thing. And especially my take is on the, on the whole journalist thing is, you sh- you start as a specialist and you end up being journalist if you belong to startups like if you work for startups because you you by nature do mm-hmm. thousand things which are not assigned to your job role and title right so talk to me about like your background a little bit uh what did you did in the past like and how did you end up being like uh yeah i would politics? say i'm kind of a generalist by necessity I uh, I left New Zealand when I was 20, so I was quite young, and uh, so I grew up in New mm-hmm. Zealand in like a really small farming town and was like, get me out of here. So I booked a one-way flight to Europe, and that was 11 years ago. So within that 11 years, wow. I've had to um, make money on my own. Um, I had to reinvent myself a mm-hmm. hundred times. Mm-hmm. I had to be really savvy and run with the market mm-hmm. and find opportunities mm-hmm. and create opportunities. And so my background is a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. I've done everything from leading operations mm-hmm. um, for a company in the Philippines, like I was based in Manila, um, to launching my own wine tour in Australia. Um, I started a illustration studio. Wow. 
I've been a business development manager. So I've done like sales, um, director of miscellaneous. I've been a consultant all over. Like it's such a, and this is where I'm really passionate about generalists because when I say all of that, especially let's say I was going for a traditional job, Mm. the hiring manager would be like, what? Like that doesn't make any sense. All of these cross-functional things, they, they don't, they don't make sense. Like the traditional career ladder would like us to kind of look. And so what I'm really doing is challenging this narrative. Actually, you mentioned the jack of all trades. I'm totally challenging that because I think when Mm -hmm. people hear the word generalist, they think, aha, jack of trades, master Mm -hmm. of none. It's kind of got a bit of a stigma. Like Mm -hmm. why can't they just focus? Why can't they settle? But I, you know, like, so it's been kind of a, something you almost like, whisper rather than like proudly say this is who I am and so a huge part of what I do is challenging that narrative and bringing together the community and amplifying these people Mm. who in all respects are incredibly successful and intelligent and um, I'm really you know challenging the way that the world sees generalists and the way that generalists see themselves. That's a very interesting take. Uh, I really like because I think you discovered the whole journalist movement or you became one out of necessity. That's a very key point because uh, I, I strongly feel if we put ourselves in situations and all of the situation arrives to us and as humans, we just mold to it and we, did, we adapt and, and if we accept the situation, in the reality, mm-hmm. we give our best, right? And I, I feel like, you know, that's why I, I want to like highlight that point. So you talked about a lot of things which I want to like uh, cover later in the episode. But how, so when did you start this? Like the whole journalist world as a community? Uh, I still want to like understand what's like the inception of the like is is it inspired from a tweet or uh, for a, from a conversation from a friend? What, what, what yeah, really so it was there? almost a year to the day that I was sitting in my kitchen on this little island in Scotland in the absolute middle of nowhere, and I had this question: Why don't I know anyone else who looked like me? And the inception of it was I jumped mm. on LinkedIn and started to just browse to see who else did look like me and it started off with one-to-one conversations Mm. um there was a woman lucy who to this day is one of the most like staunch supporters of generalist world and i was like i think i'm this Mm. thing called a generalist i don't really understand exactly what it is and i was like you kind of look like one too and she it was just like you know that Spider-Man meme where they're all like looking at each other? (laughs) It was like that in action. And then that kind of multiplied um, to about 10 people that I was having these one-to-one conversations with. And it just out of, again, necessity and just like practically, it got too, there was too many conversations Mm. uh, for me to keep up with. So I just popped everyone into Slack and thought, huh, how nice would it be if 
it's not just me having the conversations, but if everyone else could. And that was the inception. It was a, a mm. beautiful accident. Like it really, there, it wasn't a, something I'd been planning for a long time. It was something that happened very quickly and very organically. The, I love that story. I think I love accidents. Any any story that 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 end up being uh, starting as an accident is always like you know a good story <laughs> to narrate. Uh, so, how did you start? Like, what was the first step you did? Did you launch like a landing page? Because the reason I'm asking is unlike the the brands I I talk to, like the the head of communities and the director of communities, they have a different strategy mm-hmm. of launching mm-hmm. a community, right? Have ammo, they have like mm-hmm. brand presence and all that. As a as a solopreneur, as a as an individual creator, as a founder, what were what are the mm-hmm. steps you took to get that idea yeah, to life? I, and hopefully, like you inspire like listeners yeah. who are trying to do the same. I think the first step was putting it out to the world and being like there, is, and also very transparently putting it out to the world, not selling it as this huge thing I've thought through and I knew mm. had all the answers. I was putting it out to the world as a question. Like, it are there more of us? There's right. like 10 of us over here. And then it suddenly became 50 of us. And then it became a hundred of us. And so I think the first right. step is putting it out, throwing it out there and seeing what happens. And uh what I what I noticed very, very early on, I mean in the first few days, maybe by the first week, is that people were mm-hmm. so excited about this. And I mean, like, I've mm. launched a bunch of products, I've launched a bunch of businesses, and it is like, it's like pulling teeth sometimes, right? To get like, to get traction and to get anyone to look and notice and to get excited. This was the opposite. It felt effortless. It was like, I just put the question out and... Mm. The beautiful thing about generalist world and generalists is that we have been overlooked and misunderstood forever. So it, if there is someone saying, right. huh, I think this is me and there's all of these other people here who are like us, people, it's just such an innate, natural, tr- like authentic, true excitement, which makes, you know, my job much easier. And I, it was around, I think, three or four weeks um, that there was such momentum, mm. such excitement that I quit my full-time job very early on to go all in because, wow. as I said, yeah, built lots of businesses. And uh, I guess one of my big takeaways is momentum is something that's really hard to get back. And I could see this wave. Mm. I could see I the wave. That. And I was like, I think this might be my shot at something because no one else is talking about this. Um, who knows how many generalists there are? There is no data or research or support. And for me, I was like, wow, I wish that this existed when I was 20. That would have made my career a lot more validating and <laughs> it probably would have saved me a lot of like confusion yeah. of feeling like I didn't quite fit in. So it was obvious that's looking back it, it it i looked like within and all gut feelings pointed to this was a really truly needed thing which i think is just the absolute cornerstone and the foundation of a strong community 
I I love I love uh, hearing those stories because how special is it, right? Like to get those signals from people saying that, yeah. hey, please do it because yes. we need that, right? Like that's that's such a sweet song to me. Like you know, it'll it'll bring honey <laughs> yes. in your ears because that's all that's all yeah. a founder wants. Like real craving from people, real validation that hey please do it and the other thing is to balance it out you're freaking mm-hmm. doing this for yourself which which gives you so much purpose and so much energy drive to actually take the next step and risk it out go all in everything like you did you know for the journalist world uh, i i'm so glad that you took the shot because i think there is a gap like you said nobody's actually talking about mm-hmm. this particular niche mm-hmm. but the niche exists and there is the other uh purposes for you to like go against the stigma that like you said journalists are mm-hmm. they don't focus much they don't they're not productive they do everything they do half ass job and all that because i hear a lot about myself mm-hmm. the same way from different people saying hey why can't you like you know stick to one because i started my journey mm-hmm. as a product manager now i'm doing community i founded a saas i sold it so i did like a bunch of things i'm i'm kind of design my own thing i Amazing. host podcasts like i create content so it's all i think it matters to you as a journalist you you basically have to shut down the noise that comes from outside and i'm so glad that you're 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 kind of like bringing those yeah. set of people and that that helps other folks to like raise up their yeah. voice too right so that's that's all community uh binds together so i love that how did you find the first set of early champions or the true fans whatever you want to call how did you like go from zero you launched the idea i'm i'm, I'm sure like mm-hmm. people validated it what were your steps of transitioning yes this is where i'm going mm-hmm. the signals right like and how did you identify what were your qualities that you said uh in terms of people identifying those yeah so when i launched people? it was a freemium product and it's easy to look back now and it all seems obvious but at the time i really didn't have too much of a strategy i just wanted to see would anyone pay for this so i it was um a freemium community mm. where um the premium tier was $99 which is like enough that people will think about it before, you know, they're like, oh, like, will I pay mm-hmm. for that? Um, but it's not so much that, that it's completely out of, it's like you can take an early bet with $99. And so that was my first thinking. I, I, like I knew that I wanted to, I've only ever bootstrapped. So this is my world. And for me, getting that validation early mm-hmm. on, um, I remember thinking to myself, uh, I was like, wow, people are paying for a product that doesn't really exist. It's just me putting people in a slack right. and they are so um, passionate about just the mission and the vision mm. of more, you know, they're just passionate about the problem. Um, what we're really tapping into here is an identity mm. thing. And so right. they're really, right. really passionate. Right. They're willing to right. pay. They They did pay. Um, which for me was a signal I needed. I think the first 10 or so folks um, 
had our first paying members in the first few weeks. And for me, that was signal to, mm -hmm. if I can do that with 10 people, I can do that with a hundred, I can actually develop a product <laughs> mm. rather than just being like, believe right, in me. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how it started. Right. And how did you productize the community? I'm just curious. What was, what was the thinking behind like, Hey, these are the offerings I give you yeah. when you pay you know, a monthly. So many, so many iterations <laughs> Like we're coming up to the year. So many iterations on that. Like, I, the, the, the thing that hasn't changed is the three pillars of generalist world. And that is community being the first and foremost, um, education mm -hmm. slash mm -hmm. content slash resource, um, being the second and mm -hmm. opportunities being the third. Those are the three kind of like core pillars. Mm. And my hypothesis at the beginning was that I would make money through opportunities. I thought it would be some kind of recruitment like right. style, um, like a job, like a job board. board. Uh, but then when I started doing that, I hated it. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, recruitment <laughs> is awful. It is so soul destroying <laughs> for everyone involved. And um, right. at the time it was just me. I didn't have any contractors, any part-timers. And so we, I had to, you have to make really hard decisions of like, you have to say no to most things. And yeah. so I kind of scrapped right scrapped the right. job board somewhat. I, I now work with Palette, which has been a really helpful um, interim solution. So mm -hmm. that kind of keeps things ticking away. But for me, it was so obvious that what people wanted was mm. people. And that mm. comes out in many different ways in the community. Mm. Uh, we have weekly events. We have a bunch of real life meetups. Peer to peer, I am so bullish on. Peer-to-peer -peer mm -hmm. is the future. There is the, the connections oh, yeah. that people make, the support that, um, like the, the, the depth of support that people offer. It never right. ceases to amaze me, like right. the generosity that people will, you know, they belong right. to this, they know they belong, they can feel they belong, and then they, because they belong, they mm. contribute. And when they, when they need something, Right. they will get it back. It's like this wonderful ecosystem of like giving, receiving. Um, yeah. Hmm. I love that. And yeah, what you said is absolutely true. I feel uh, it's community is always like iteration. I'm so glad that you treated community mm -hmm. as a product because a lot many people, uh, most of them, they just treat it more of like a, mm. like a funnel for that that the funnel is I, I i really get bothered when people use the words like funnel it's a bridge and all that shit because you have to focus on one yeah. thing at a time like you focus on community you build a set of people you build that rapport you build that bond the sense mm -hmm. of belonging all that now so let, let's look at your example now you have uh, an army of people supporting you Mm -hmm. supporting each other and supporting the whole notion of journalist theme right and if you launch a startup now a SaaS product like like a software product you have you have so much edge over people who doesn't have that community mm -hmm. support and that is something a lot of many people miss uh 
they tend to jump ahead and then start a community because you know because it's a, it's such a buzzword so i'm so glad that you treated community as a product and you iterated you learned you, you heard from people you kind of like I think you know true that did what they want it, and to that ultimate. point the currency of community as a product is trust and that is trust it's the same it's the reason i build in public it's the reason i'm so strong on it's the reason i was like okay never mind recruitment the community is the product i am building right. i'm building for generalists i'm not building for companies or advertisers or sponsors or whoever i am building this product which is so people are paying for that product so that they know it that they are the top of my mind and right. the result of that is trust and that is why after a year you have people who are still mm. these like incredibly staunch um supporters because it's a genuine relationship rather mm. than being part of a funnel i mean people feel that right like where we live in the day and age now where people know when they're a part of a funnel and so yeah i think just being genuine and developing and right. really like i am so protective of that trust it, i haven't actually had a single sponsor mm. yet uh not because they haven't approached me but because wow. i'm so um so protective of the trust that i've built mm. and i'm not saying i'll i'll never take a sponsor like reality um right. that's inevitable probably at some stage but i'm so picky Right. about yeah. it being the exact right yeah. exact aligned yeah i think right no I, I, of course i i love that i love your intentionality more than uh anything i feel the more intentional you become uh the more opportunities mm. you unlock and you you pick and choose those that really kind of relevant to you and you have you will be the judge you'll be at control right that i love that so you also touched on one one point which i want to like unpack a little bit uh, i i assume that you're you're solo right you don't have a team at no that's not true anymore which is very exciting so um i do, i have basically part time people so i think again coming back to being through the reps of building businesses before something i've gotten really good at is knowing what i'm good at is knowing my strengths and being right. like my weaknesses to me uh, i right. they're really obvious like i am the creative kind of chaotic strategy vision person right. like details i just can't see them it's <laughs> not an, i can't see details <laughs> and uh i've i know that i right. accept that and so i hire people to fill in those gaps and mm. so nice. i am the only full-time person but i do have a bunch of part-time folks um part-time and contract who mm. help me fill in those gaps um to be mm. honest i really value my life and my mental health and the balance right. that i Yeah, that I that cool. I that I've kind of created and um I've invested so much so many of the profits straight back into the business to be able to hire um these part-time folks a hmm. amazing creating jobs creating jobs I actually even hired yeah. someone up here on my island which was like a total dream come true um so 
yeah, for me, I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to grow like a huge team and have to manage people, but I do mm-hmm. want support and I do want help and I do want mm. folks to be able to get involved and benefit from generalist world as well. Right. Um, so yeah, there is a couple, a couple of people around maybe four, um, including like some contract writers who basically I don't really write any content um, anymore. I love that. Uh, the reason I was uh, I asked that question is, so you mentioned you in the previous answer that in the early stages, you have to do things you love and you have to also do things mm-hmm. that you don't love, you know, because you have to keep the lights running, right? You have to do these things. You There is no other option you're, you're, when you start solo. So my curiosity is, how did you manage and how did you balance out Mm-hmm. doing both like what was your thought process look like in, in the early days of journalist world not now now given yeah. you have help first of all kudos on that because that's a such a mindful decision of to outsource mm-hmm. some things uh because again you're also doing mm-hmm. that with trust with you know with external folks bringing them on team and man it'll it'll help you become 10x productive so kudos on that but going back to the question Mm-hmm. Yeah, early days, how did you balance both? Because you're solo, you have to do some operational. I personally hate operations and I I have to do it. Yeah. You know. And I don't love writing copy, but I have to write because, you know, I, that's how I built my SaaS product, writing everything, doing everything. I don't know how to sell, but I had to out of necessity. So, I want to hear your uh your story and your take on uh, the early days of yeah I think the key is to keep it light like as in you don't have to have a total process and a total system for everything like the truth is when you're starting a community you have all of these hypotheses and you have um, you have gut feelings that you think could come true but you have absolutely no idea and you will be 100% wrong about a bunch of them. So I like to keep it really light, test as cheaply Mm. and fast as I can. So that's using a lot of no code tools. Mm. And the beauty of community is you're not really alone, right? So you have immediately a circle of people around you who are the sounding boards who are constant feedback um you have to become a really good listener and you have to become a really good listener not in the way that you're like okay tell me how you feel about this you have to become a good like reader between the lines and to be able to like spot patterns of the Mm. things that are happening in the community that are working well and then you double down on them um, but at the beginning, oh my gosh, at the beginning, right. like it, generalist world looks so different from what I thought it would be to what it actually is today. And right. my job is just to keep right. these tests going, keep the iterations going, over communicate with the community, right. with what I'm doing and what I'm thinking. Like we're coming up to our years um our one year birthday. And I just popped a post in Mm. uh, the community a couple of days ago being like, I've gotten like, I think I've gone in the wrong direction this way. I'm going to try this. And I just over communicate at every point. um, So that people know that you are 
you're doing your best. At the end of the day, you're a human who is trying to bring mm. lots of humans together, which is quite a complex thing <laughs> when you think about it. Um, so yeah, in the, uh, in the mm, early days, yeah. it's just about testing as light and lean and fast and cheap as you can. Once mm. you validate, once you're pretty sure that you have something that's working, then by all means, get the systems in, get the processes yeah. in, hire people to help. But at the beginning, you are just, you're experimenting and you're testing. And um, I I was thinking about this the other day. I think that the the first six months of building a community like I've done from the ground up, that's not a part of a business that you're bootstrapping mm -hmm. and you're self-funding is the hardest because mm -hmm. it's the, all of the question marks mm. you're, you're on the one hand, you're trying to figure out what are we doing here? What does this look like? What do people want? What's going to be mm -hmm. the most helpful? How are people going to get the most outcomes? Um, yeah. So I hope that sums it up. No, that's a phenomenal answer. I, I love, I love uh, a couple of things you mentioned. I'm just, you know, kind of writing the next <laughs> cool. questions because that's a, you, you raised a great point there which is you you might like people might have like big things big dreams of or doing like you know hey i want to grow this to the to x thing or have goals and all that but i think in reality you can do so much right you can do like go from one to hundred mm -hmm. like overnight so you really have to uh, dance mm -hmm. with the reality and do things in the much in a leaner way, like you said, in a faster way, in the cheaper way. I think that's those are the three important ways people should like really adapt when they're mm -hmm. starting solo. You know, if you have a team and you have a brand, like you're working for a company, mm -hmm. that's a different story. But I love that point. So you you build this thing, right? A couple of questions I have in terms of mm -hmm. on the business side, which is, you know, uh, how did you convince people like, hey, you have to be part of this. So at the end of the day, it's a, it's kind of like a business. You know, it's mm -hmm. a product, like you said. It should build revenue. Uh, you have to pay mm -hmm. bills and all that. And if people are just joining, the, the I think one of the problems with community is people join communities mm -hmm. for fun, right? Or finding like-minded folks. And the moment when you ask credit card, you know, they might think that it's not mm -hmm. a priority for them. So how did mm. you crack that? Again, not massively intentionally. I think it comes back to people will pay for what they value. And if your your reason for being, your community's reason for being is so compelling to someone, yes, they will pay for it. And I think mm. um, we're going to see a rise of these career communities, which is really what generalist world mm. falls under. Um, you see like Lenny's mm -hmm. podcast is like for product and growth folks. Mm -hmm. You've got Rosie Sherry who has the community yeah. for community builders quite meta. Um, and so I think there's going to mm -hmm. be a real rise <laughs> of these career communities. Um, right. So for me, that was actually quite helpful because folks are often more open to investing in their own career journey than say they might be yeah. if it was like a hobby yeah. or an interest. Um, so I've kind of ticked on both things, which is career yeah. plus identity 
it's two quite strong things that people mm. um it, it affects every single person on this earth what work will you do for the day and um who where do you fit into the world and generalist world fills both of those gaps for people um and so yeah i i mm. don't really feel like i've done a ton of selling i think i've mostly done um the first especially like six months was just sharing my own thoughts and feelings and um people the wonderful right. thing about generalist world is people either completely get it they're like oh my gosh i am 110 percent a generalist mm. or they don't get it at all and they're like what like i don't understand what you're mm. talking about so from a product perspective <laughs> fantastic you want people who are either hot right. or cold, like there's no lukewarm generalists. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Either it's it's very binary. Either you're mm -hmm. in or you're yep. out. You know. Uh, I hate the maybe state because it you're just wasting time, your time and their time. I'm not I'm not talking about just the pro, uh, community as a product. Just in general, like in startups. We have to avoid mm. the baby states. Either mm -hmm. you're in, you're out. Uh, let's take a couple step backs. And now that we're talking about the, you know, the building business around community, when did you uh, start like realizing that I have to monetize this? Was that the intention right from the beginning, or is 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 did you like try with few folks? Now you saw the value. Now they're seeing the value and then you monetize. What was like that? And I do have like yeah. a follow-up question. It was know, after very, this. So it was very early that I, that I, I saw the opportunity that this could be bigger than a fun little thing that, you know, 10 people gathered. Like it was again, really clear to me that this was a big need, a deep need. Mm. And, uh, I knew I wanted to be the one who solved this problem and who led this movement. And so to do that, I needed to get paid. And I was very just transparent about right. that. I'm still very transparent about that. It's a big mm. reason I build in public. Um, mm. So it, the, the messaging, I guess, at the beginning was, I want to figure this out. Can you fund me for a little bit? And that's probably how I got my first like $1,000 in revenue. Hmm. that's awesome wow thousand dollars is you know it's a big yeah. big milestone when you get started and in terms of pricing what was your what was your strategy like did you do like you mm -hmm. said freemium uh you i think journalist world is still freemium did you experiment with different pricing strategies you went like lifetime you know deals or what was like your experimentation looks like yeah so we're actually not so much freemium anymore i guess it depends how you look at the whole generalist world package but basically all of our content is free so pumping out tons of content articles that people can access via the newsletter but the community itself is fully paid um i actually retrospectively changed that probably about three or four months into building where i realized that there were just too mm. many people coming in um, and not not really the ideal member. They were just coming in because they, you know, when it's really easy, like one of my big um, takeaways or things I do differently, I would add way more friction 
at the beginning. Like communities shouldn't be easy to join. It should be, you should really think about it um, because what we're seeing at the moment is total community overwhelm where everyone's a part of these like, you know, 15, 20 different slacks and then discord and Facebook groups and WhatsApp groups, plus your inbox, plus your LinkedIn and your Twitter. It is like, it is so overwhelming. And one of the things I actually have as part of our onboarding, uh, it's called the Calm Community Doc. And one of my takeaways from, I guess, the early days was at first you're kind of, like I said, experimenting. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized early on that you have to, you have to engineer the experience. And to do that, you have to be so explicit and have a lot of structure. So like the Calm Community Doc is one of the first documents people receive um, after they sign up. And it sets the tone. It sets the ambiance for the feel of the community, how to interact, um, not to worry mm. if they don't log in for two weeks. Like, that's fine. Um, so kind of setting those expectations, I think the problem the, the problem mm. with like something like Slack is that it's just so easy mm. for people to click a link and you're in and then you're a part of some communities, like tens of thousands of people, where then you just become a number and you miss that total essence of what the community is about in the first place. And so to bring it back to the question, the retrospective decision to go paid only was to make sure that the people who were really, really wanting to be there got this amazing experience. I love that. I think uh, I love the way you kind of handle pricing and being transparent, right? And you said you add more friction to people because that actually, especially building community products, you know, you have to bring intentional people. You know, you can't like really entertain people who are just browsing or like, you know, they might have some interest. The maybes, again, like you have to eliminate, the best way to eliminate maybes is to add friction <laughs> so that they either jump from no to yes or yes to no. Like, you know, it's too much to them. Uh, so given that it's kind of like a business for you, right? And you are very intentional. I see that. And I, one of your pinned tweets I want to talk about is that intentional community design, you know, which we can, which we can unpack. But how do you protect yourself from that purpose, from the purpose of intentionality uh, from falling into the trap of, hey, I have to make money because I have to pay bills and I have to like, you know, I'm hiring these folks and I have to be accountable for them and whatnot. Like, and you have to, you obviously worry about churn, you know, some folks, they just like, you know, they drop off. How do you balance that? I think that is a really, really great question. And honestly, something that isn't talked about enough. I think that there's, when you kind of combine the idea of monetization and community, it can suddenly feel a bit icky. And community can sometimes feel like something that, especially because of social media, and we've had years and years, most of us, you know, children of the Facebook era, where all of this stuff is mm -hmm. quote unquote free. Um, so to to then suddenly um, have these kind of products, which are community products that people pay for, 
it is a bit of a mental shift um, to be able to get there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, to really balance this like people, profit and purpose. um, I think the first step is just being really thoughtful and Mm -hmm. uh, truly actually thinking about, okay, how does this align being um, one of the things I, I do all the time is like, I think, I think in years, I'm not thinking mm. about what's going to give me the most profit next month. I think in years, mm. I think in deepening these relationships. Um, so I think the first kind of step is being thoughtful. And then the second step mm. is actually just taking action and doing things which, um, which, you know, you can walk the walk. So for example, one mm. of the things we do um, that I've implemented early on was purchasing price parity which means that right. um, folks who aren't from, let's say, the UK or the US or the EU, where salaries are a lot higher, um, that immediately, mm-hmm. you know, $100 is a huge amount of money for people from other right. parts of the world. And if I'm not um, intentionally and thoughtfully creating ways mm-hmm. to make it more accessible, then mm-hmm. I'm not going to have a diverse community, like, at all. Right. Um, so... Right. That, that's one example of something we've been doing since the very early days to make it more equitable. I love that. I, I think I'm seeing these, uh, the price parity as, as like a movement, right? Like mm-hmm. not just, I'm seeing more founders, you know, they're some folks there in India, they're in innovation countries, they mm-hmm. can't afford the dollar price. So yes. they, they, they kind of like, you know, lower down. And it, it, it also... Uh, reminds them to like they're these folks are not trying to make money mm-hmm. they're trying to give you the best service for but they have to make a living so they 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 keep that like you know transparent i love that i love also the saying what you said about you know people price and purpose right mm-hmm. like those are the three things you know mm-hmm. uh, i love that too let's talk about the intentional community design you know that's your your pin tweet uh, talk to me about it. It's it's a, it's a bigger uh, framework, I would say. And how did you get that? And how did you design the whole thing? And how are you implementing it, journalist world? Yeah, it's hilarious. It's a, the classic example of you never know what's going to hit on Twitter. Um, I <laughs> I think I designed that in like twenty minutes, and it was just a like a brain wow. vomit. Yeah, like it was just right. um, because all of this stuff lives within your mind, right? Like that, that right. I, as I mentioned, kind of like creative and a bit chaotic. It, it takes um, me intentionally sit, sitting down and trying mm-hmm. to get those thoughts in order. And I'm quite a visual person. So mm. um, that it, 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 I did not expect that to take off um, as it <laughs> did. But most days I'll get... Um, people like resharing it or saying like how helpful it's been. And I think I, I, I don't know if there's anything particularly revolutionary in there. If I'm honest, I think Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's just a case of seeing something holistically and including things like the founder's mental health, which is like Mm. take a massive hit when you're building a community um, or a business for that matter. So Mm. Uh, I think what resonates with people is that it looks at the whole picture of what it takes to build a community. And I think it kind of comes back to your point earlier, where sometimes brands and businesses now, they see this as a funnel and they don't see the, um, 
how much like graft and like grit and consistency goes in to making a community experience that people love and will share and will come back to again and again and again. Um, there is, right. I think maybe it's people like it because you can see the like the the breadth and the depth that is required to get a community off the ground. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I, I love the way you put it so transparently that it's not like a groundbreaking design. It's just <laughs> like a collection of thoughts. Like that's yeah. how it should be, right? Like you basically feel from your gut and you have to communicate that. And I'm just going through it. And I love, uh, you know, there is a mental stack. There is a tech stack. There is like a, there is a ritual thing. Um, the how, the why. It's it's really like a like a full fledged guide for people mm -hmm. who are starting communities, you know, from ground up. Uh, yep. I love that. And what are some interesting things that you're doing at Journalist World that you want to share with the folks? Like any interesting initiative that worked for you that that you might want to share? Yeah, so I am a big believer in community-led everything. <laughs> uh, CLE, <laughs> we'll call it. So no, um, no wonder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's the reason you know you can. Um, I, I think when you empower, uh, when you empower your community members to be able to have an initiative and run with it themselves, and they know that again, the currency is trust. So that's bi-directional right. trust. Like I trust them and they trust me. So if they come up with an initiative, um, I'm like, heck yeah, like let's give it a go. So right. as an example, all of our events are community led. Um, so from our mm. work, our workshops um, to like round tables to AMAs, um, they're all mm. from folks within the community. Um, a particularly interesting thing that is just a, a testament to you cannot guess where this thing will go at the beginning is um, we have a small team formed within Generalist World headed up by the ultimate generalist. Her name is Erica. She is a neuroscientist mm -hmm. who's also um, a product leader. She's uh, launched an ed tech um, app before. Wow. She, she is wildly impressive. And she spearheaded um, the first of its kind generalist research and so it's something I had not anticipated or planned at the, you know, the grand plan at the beginning in my kitchen was a few months right. ago, we released this like um, academic white paper uh, looking right. into what on earth is a generalist and what makes someone a generalist and how do we fit into the world? Um, right. So that's an example of like kind of the high level uh, things that you, you just need to, you I feel like, you know, I'm just the host. It's kind of like mm -hmm. being at a dinner party and mm -hmm. I make sure that there's great food and everyone's dietary requirements are taken care of and people can speak different languages and they're sitting next to each other and um, the music's great. And like, I'm just creating this environment so right. that people can connect and so that these little teams and these like I'm really obsessed at the moment with the idea of like tiny like micro mm. everything I'm like go into the group chats take it off like the community go and have a little whatsapp mm. group like the the community I see like the slack community I mean 
is like a mm -hmm. cafe. It's like a meeting ground, a hub where people can uh, meet there. It's like a gathering hall. But the real magic and the real outcomes are made and happen in the DMs. That's where the mm -hmm. real connections and like the one-to-one -one calls. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. my job, I just see as creating that space, managing that space and setting the tone of that space and then letting mm -hmm. the magic happen. And when people want to run initiatives, giving them every single thing they need to be really successful in doing that. Mm, I love that. Wow. I, I absolutely agree with you on that front, which is a lot many people focus on uh, overall engagement, mm -hmm. but they miss the personal one-on-one -on -one connection. Mm -hmm. uh, it can happen through DMs. It can happen through these one-on-one -on -one calls, like 15, 20 minutes calls. Uh, that will change the trajectory. And that actually elevates and helps the the overall engagement that you see publicly right the public yes. engagement will happen eventually mm -hmm. but the private conversations are very important and it, it should be a priority when you build a community so that's a great takeaway for listeners like you are listening and just getting started uh last last question uh do you ever feel like this is more of like a like a deep question sure do you ever feel like exhausted because you do this all by yourself? I know that you have help mm -hmm. and I know you're passionate about the the whole niche, which is, mm -hmm. which, which is something that drives you, but you physically or mentally, more importantly, do you ever feel like exhausted and how do you overcome that, that mental uh, burden? Oh, really great question. I think that, um, I think if I was doing this uh, maybe five or six years ago, the answer would be yes, mm -hmm. I, I'm completely exhausted and I'm like burnt out and I'm overrun. But I feel like I've got just a few more notches on my belt and really much stronger boundaries than I did when I was like in my mid 20s. And so mm -hmm. the honest answer is I don't feel exhausted because, but that's by design. Um, as I said earlier, like, so for example, I do not have Slack notifications on my phone. Like, absolutely not. Um, there is, wow. there is, there is nothing that is so really urgent. Um, I mean, there's nothing so really urgent that, uh, if someone really needs me, they can like email me, you know? Uh, mm. I think having the Slack notifications on my phone, I did at the beginning and it is so, uh, unhealthy um, and mm. honestly, unnecessary. I think community builders at the beginning, especially feel like we need to be everywhere all the time. And to a point that's true, but I think what we really just need to do is give the illusion that we're everywhere all the time. And so to do that, you know, you, you, you time block and for an hour or two, yeah, absolutely. You're in there, you're replying to messages, you're connecting people, you're making sure right. everyone's got what they need. And then you close the laptop and you go outside and it comes back to thinking in years. If I'm going to do this and if I'm going to be the best founder and the best community mm -hmm. builder that I can, I have to be healthy. Like there is, mm -hmm. there is no alternative to that. I, I have to make sure that I'm getting my exercise in, that I'm working out, that I'm getting outside, that I'm spending time with my husband and um, for me, I think I've 
I think it, it's kind of a blessing that I've gone through building a few businesses because you see that, you know, mm. they also come in cycles and True. it's, it's really, oh man, like it, especially when you're starting and it's so exciting, like, yes, like you're completely consumed by it. But um, I think mm. the, as I've grown up a little bit, as I feel more comfortable with myself, as I, as I really value um, my contribution to this product, um, I won't let myself get exhausted because that's not mm. good for anyone. That's not good for the community. Yeah. That's not good for the movement. Um, they need a right. healthy founder. And so part of that, I, it's almost a responsibility is to set that role right. model, right? Of, to be like, hey, guys, <laughs> you don't have to be on here all the time. Like we all have lives outside of this. Um, I always right. say that Generalist World is a an addition to your life. It should never be a burden. And the last thing I want is to start a business so that it's a burden on my life as mm. well. So I love community because it is a positive sum game when done right. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's a gem right there. It's definitely a positive sum game when, when you do things in the right way. And uh, I love that you have self-awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're controlled. You have... Inten you're intentional you you do things with with a sense of purpose uh for other people which is you know which makes mm -hmm. you a great community leader so man i love this conversation uh, i hope people who listen to this are, are getting inspired you know to take action in an intentional way as well but this has been such a blast uh there are so many things i think the, particularly one of the highlights i think i would say is trust is the community currency that's mm -hmm. that's a that's a it's a mic drop moment <laughs> right there i love that i love like uh talking to you millie and this is a great great episode turning out to be uh, any last closing thoughts before we wrap up just that if there's any generalists out there listening and if this is resonating um drop me a line come say hello on twitter come drop me a friend request on um, linkedin and by all means come along to the community because the the beauty of it is it's not just me there is hundreds of us who are all gathered there and it's one of the most um, inspiring resourceful places um, that as a generalist you can go so if you are a generalist come on by Awesome. Yeah. We're, yeah. We'll, we'll keep all the show notes uh, updated with the links so that people can find it easily to like, you know, either sign up or reach out to you. Uh, but yeah, thanks folks for tuning in uh, for this episode. We have a great lineup. So stay tuned. Millie, you know, I appreciate your time and all your insights. And I hope people who are trying to build a solo business out of community, you know, this would be like a great episode for them for sure and for just you know for people who are building communities just in general so i appreciate you and i wish you the best in your killing it uh and <laughs> thanks for doing everything for the community space thank you so much this was really fun awesome guys see uh, so stay tuned for the next episode until then cheers <laughs> <laughs>